Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome back to the original Scottish Rugby Podcast. I'm going to start with a pretty simple question. How would you like a free case of craft beer? Obviously, the answer to that is yes. And as a listener to our show, for being loyal and coming back to listening to Alan's quizzes every week, through our friends at Beer52.com, you can get a free case of craft beer from all over the world. Beer52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club. Last month's beers were from the USA, the Boston Beer Party. This month's are from Korea. So get yourself onto Beer52.com forward slash thistle to claim a free case. As a listener to our show... Um, all you have to do is pay £5.95 in postage. So that's eight incredible craft beers from all over the world. A copy of their Ferment magazine, which, if it floats your boat, you can read all about how the beers are made. And a delicious snack. Matt was chowing down on some curried chickpeas earlier today. So imagine that, a Korean beer and some curried chickpeas. How good. Um, so that's beer52.com forward slash thistle. Get yourself some great beers for the second half of the Six Nations. Now, on to the pod. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. After a week off, we are back and better than ever, just like our very own Duncan Weir. To my left, as ever, my trusty steeds, Matt and Alan. How are you, boys? Good, mate. Yeah, nice to be back after a little hiatus. Yeah, you've been away, haven't you? Where were you? Yeah, I was, I was away at one of my famous anime conferences, as I always found out the week after. Was it a, a, it was a classic, was it? It was good. Yeah, it's just everything you, you come to expect from them. It's good to see you, some of the old gang. It's amazing that your fiancé lets you use all your holiday time to go to anime conferences. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. Good old Heather. Well, thank you very much for coming back and not deserting us after You're not ask a week I off. Have I not asked you how you were? No. How are you, Alan? I'm cranky, right? (laughs) 
Okay, well, we can look <laughs> forward to some of that, particularly as we look through Scotland's injury list. That sounds like good fun. Um, thanks very much for coming back to us after a week, as I was saying. Um, you've always been chatting to us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And uh, the emails have been a little bit slow, actually. So if you guys want to pick that up, we will get them read out. That is the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com. Um, if you are listening to us on iTunes, you can leave us a review and a rating. It helps us get up there and get more people listening to one of the many Scottish rugby podcasts that are right there now. Um, how about this one from sports fan, brackets, fan of sports. I love rugby. This podcast is sensational. Wow. <laughs> so much enthusiasm for the pod there. I'm loving it. To be fair, you know, he loves rugby and we talk about rugby. So we're right in his sweet spot. Exactly. He or she. He or we she. We absolutely do not discriminate around here. Sorry, around. that was misogynist. Yes, it was, you terrible bastard. Um, <laughs> let's have a quick look at the agenda. Some protein, protein? Protein news. Um, lots of new signings at Edinburgh and Glasgow. Uh, we'll have a look at the Scottish Cup um, quarterfinals from the weekend and some stuff, some new information that has come up around the Super 6. And then, of course, the big uh, talking point of the week, Scotland versus France down in Paris this weekend. We're going to be previewing that. And we've been joined by uh, sports journalist Paul Edison, who knows everything there is to know about what is going on in French rugby. So we've had a good chat with him. Um, so he gives you a hell of a lot more insight into the French team than we ever could. Alan, you've got a quiz. What are the details? Um, most caps. Wow. Very good. Preview That's it. that. Okay. Going to look good. Leave with a broad Sounds good. theme. Yeah, I'm keen for that. And for the absolute rugby ultras, there are Edinburgh and Glasgow Pro 14 games this weekend as well. So we're going to have a very quick look at those towards the end of the pod. But let's start right at the top, Edinburgh. Um, new deals for some young lads who've not really been playing too much, but they've earned and done enough to get another year in the capital. George Taylor, Jason Baggett and Jack Stanley all signed new one-year deals at Edinburgh. Much to say about that, lads? I think George Taylor's been pretty impressive. The few opportunities he's got. Um, looks like quite a good prospect. Baggett we haven't seen much of, but he's still quite young and seems to always do well for, for Marrows. I don't think Jack Stanley's had any appearances, but he's been travelling with the squad um, definitely for the Kings match at least. And by all accounts, playing pretty well for Sonians. So see how he goes in the future. I'm pro more tie head props. Well, that's the thing, yeah. I think he was at the Exeter Academy before. Yeah, he was. I did read that. Named in under-20s squad. So, uh, yeah, good prospect. Does I this mean the end of Daryl Marfo? I don't think we can ever write off Daryl Marfo. Yeah, because that's... that's I think you'll get you in trouble writing off Daryl. That is true. He'll disappear for, like, five years, and then he'll come back, sort of start for Scotland in, like, the next World Cup. As a starting <laughs> lion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, down the M8, two, uh, two bits of business for Glasgow. A two-year contract for unbeaten Brandon, um, staying in Glasgow for a couple of years. He's done very well when he's played for Glasgow, hasn't he? Yeah, and I mean, essentially, it's a third-choice 10, because I imagine it's Hastings and Horn top two. Pretty strong, you know, player to have. Mm, yeah. I've actually been relatively impressed with him. Like, he's clearly, like, a good ball player. He scored, like, 24 points in that victory against the Scarlets when Glasgow went down to 14. Yeah, no, I think he's, he's been good, and he's probably kind of signing that 
it was a bit underwhelming at the time, but yeah. actually kind of a really capable pair of hands. And I'm sure he's been told that, you know, there might be a chance for Scotland in the future, but at the moment you're going to be playing these games when the internationals are away. I guess I w- we'd never want to seem like starting against like Leinster or Saracens, but more than happy for him to be playing 10 against many of so like the lower sides. He's a bit of a Rui Jackson type, don't you think? Like, yeah. And he can play fullback as well. So yeah. like, okay, yeah, we'll take that against... Cardiff and a fallow yes. international weekend, but you know, that, that cut above. But we, who knows? I and think he's still pretty young. And still yet to be beaten when he started for Glasgow this season. Well, so you say that. I don't know if that's definitely true. Could be true. I've said it enough. <laughs> There's always a chance that it's true. The other bit of business down there, a um, bit of a club talk where Adam Ash has signed on for another couple of years. I know we've been impressed with his form this year, particularly in the first half of the season, but another good man to tie down for Glasgow for the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think he, he's definitely sort of pushing, been pushing for a Scotland place this year. I suppose maybe the one issue is he's sort of stuck between being a, a six or an eight, um, and that's not really done in very many favours in the international arena. But yeah, it'd be really good for Glasgow this this year, and just a good good squad player to have around for sure. Anything to add, Alan? No, look, he comes across a really, really nice guy, and I think he's clearly like a big personality in that squad. And... W- he just needs to get a good run of games. He's just, those injuries, I think, have really hampered him. I think, yeah, you know, he first came on the scene when he was like twenty, and you know, w- wasn't looking out of place in an international setup. Mm. So, you know, really hope that, you know, as I said, he can a find his position in that team. Yeah, and b sort of just get that run of games that I think will get him the form that will mean they'll be pushing on getting into that Scotland squad. Absolutely. Um, Matt, why don't you take us down Clubland, quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup this weekend. Why don't you run us through those? Yeah, so Melrose got back to winning ways. Uh, they beat Watsonians 25-8 at the Green Yards. Um, Jed Forrest against Heriots. Jed were the only non-prem team involved, and they put up a pretty good fight in the second half, and I think actually won the second half, but um, left it too late, went down 52-26 to Heriots. Um Donald Grieve, the number eight, was playing his 300th match for Jed Forrest. So, fair play to him, some achievement. Um, Hoyk got the win at home against Stirling County. Uh, and Ayr continue on their impressive season, beating the Chieftains 34-19 at home. So, the, the fixtures coming up will be Melrose against Ayr in the first Ooh. semi and Harriet's against Hoyk. Couple of bangers there. Yeah, nice. Hoyk. Holding the flag for the non-Super 6 clubs. Yeah, exactly. Good for them. Nice to see them at Murrayfield. Mm. And, um, yeah, the, 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 only, the, other, the other sort of follow-on news from that is a, a bit of a, a few rumours surrounding the Super 6 coaching setup, which seem to be set in stone, but there's a bit of a merry-go-round at the moment. So, Ben Cairns is going to replace John DL as a Scotland 7s coach. Ben apparently. Cairns currently curry coach, yeah. No, he's going. Yeah, but he's going to Sterling to be their Super Six coach. Right. So he'll no longer be coaching Sterling County in the Super Six, as John DL be going to Glasgow as their forwards coach. Um, so the knock-on effect of that is James McLaren, who I think used to play centre for Scotland. Yes, he did. He was. But I he, haven't heard his name in a long time. So he has played for Scotland Rugby League and Rugby Union. So oh, has he? And also was oh, Rup- save it for the quiz, Alan. I know. Whoa, and was also Rupeni Thothow's opposite man in that Scotland Fiji group game. Oh my in god! In the O3 World Cup, when Thothow literally rinsed the shit out. Of it. I, thought it Kenny, <laughs> I thought it was Kenny Logan. 
Kenny, Lo- Kenny Logan then moved oh, to, I think, fullback. I think Metcalf might be. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. He's only so got one appearance for Scotland. What? Really? Oh, uh, no. Sorry. No, that's, that's, his rugby, that's his rugby league. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. He's got Jeez, 30, a- 30 appearances for Scotland. Yeah, I thought yeah, yeah. so. So he's... I don't know where he's been. I haven't heard his name mentioned once, but he's becoming Sterling County coach. He's originally from Sterling as well. Okay. Um, Roddy Grant, as we know, is going to Ulster. Steve Laurie's going to go up to Edinburgh Rugby. And Nicky Walker is going to take his place as the head coach of the Watsonians Super 6 franchise. Okay. I can't, can't remember now. Was he the one who went a bit rogue? Did Nicky Walker not go rogue in the Scotland Under 20 camp? There was, the, there was Wales. the Wales away Wales. game. I don't know if it was Nicky Walker, but a lot of the Scotland under-20s lads went. It was the coaches, though, wasn't the players? Oh, yeah. They got yeah. in a fight in a pub or something. Let's, um, let's come back to that let's next Let's come week. back to that. <laughs> so I've, I've just looked up James McLaren, and the personal section of his Wikipedia is unbelievable. It just says, he used the name Jim when playing rugby league and James when playing <laughs> rugby union. <laughs> So there you go. That, if you need to know any more about and that's James why that's why no one's heard of him because he's he's managed to confuse people so well with his alter ego. Exactly, Man, he's a chameleon. What an amazing bit of detail. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So let's keep an eye on what James McLaren's up to. Yeah, I, we really will. Um, thank you very much for that, Matt. Any other news from Clubland, or should we move on to the international game? I think that's about it. Right, well, Scotland back after a 10-day break um, in the Six Nations. France this weekend, we are counting the bodies, adding them to the injury pile um, during the Six Nations. Um, Hugh Jones, Ryan Wilson and Stuart Hogg all ruled out through separate injuries. Jones in particular out and Wilson, I believe, out for the rest of the Six Nations. It looks like Hoggy there may be a chance that he'll be back for England, but that is very much up in the air. Um, Finn Russell out for the France game, picked up a head knock, playing for Racing against Toulouse at the weekend. All of that means that six new players were added to the Scotland squad this week by Gregor Townsend. George Turner returning from injury. The Pudding, Duncan Weir coming up from Worcester. Um, Magnus Bradbury from Edinburgh. Dougie Fife from Edinburgh. Xander Ferguson again returning from injury and hot in form. We, Jimmy Johnson from Edinburgh. Um, lads... Scotland, France. Give me your top lines. How are you feeling about it? Uh, confused, <laughs> if I'm honest. Okay, I that'll do. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know what to expect in the slightest. I think, you know, as Paul Edison will say later, you've kind of on one side got French rugby, which seems in this complete state of disarray. But then on the other side, you've got Scotland, who haven't won in France for 20 years, which I think is actually a really, me- potentially it's quite a meaningful statistic. And then... The fact that missing maybe, you know, five of our top seven players. Yeah. Yeah. Which for a team which we've constantly potentially lacks depth <laughs> is a pretty punchy number. It is. And it looked like it was maybe going to be down another one as, jo- as rumours were abound that Josh Strauss had lost his passport. But it seems that the British government have stepped in to get Josh Strauss a passport or he's found his spare South African passport. But I suppose as Scotland, we can gloss over that fact. Um, well, well, I mean, the Secretary of State for Scotland, David Mundell, no less, supposedly stepped in. Did he? Um, and we've got, um, we've got our, our, our good friend, Aristotle, from scottishrugbyphilosopher.blogspot.com, which I'd definitely check out, um, who had this to say about um, the diplomatic incident. 
Um, this is a rare incident of the lovely and untalented Fluffy, which I think is David Mundell. <laughs> Maybe a reference to his beard or his hair, I'm not quite sure. Doing something useful for Scotland. And it might earn him a few more votes in Langham come the next general election. All assuming we're not independent before then. But how like a Tory. There he is, going against the wishes of his constituents and the majority <laughs> of the voters in Scotland and trying to drag Scotland out of Europe, but able to take time out to ensure a South African citizen gets into the continent. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. <laughs> that is the best take on that event. That is one of the hottest takes that, of the year. That is excellent. That is excellent. But he's, he's supposed that he's fine now. Strauss will play. Um, I do like the idea of like Dave Montells and like the House of Parliament. Just like call comes through from Gregor Townsend. He's like, no worry, I'll speak to Jeremy. I'll yeah. get this sorted with yeah. the Foreign Office. I reckon he's just happy to get a call. Happy, yeah. to, happy to be yeah. doing something. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. I mean, the Conservative representative for Scotland is probably one of the most hated positions yes. in politics. Let's, <laughs> let's move away from politics. Let's, move, let's leave um, politics. I, I, I agree with Alan that you know, I look at the Scotland fr- team and then I look at the French team and one minute I think, yeah, Scotland will get this. And then the next I think that, that French team actually, you know, they're dangerous. Um, they picked like, at least in, at club level, some foreign players like Dupont and Ntmak and, and Ramos um, and Fiku, for example. And their pack's always going to be pretty solid. It's just sort of joining up the two. But I, I just, I worry slightly that France are just going to really go for it and be unpredictable, and that will be hard to deal with for, for a Scotland team that obviously have the most injuries of, of all time. Absolutely, and for we'll now go over to our interview with Paul, um, who gave us great insight into that French selection, and we started off by asking him, what the hell is going on with French rugby? Uh, well, that's probably uh, an entire podcast uh, in itself, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's been uh, pretty chaotic um, between, I mean, mutiny within the team, apparently no idea of what a back three needs to do, and then uh, the club's, club president's deciding to weigh in as well, just in case we'd forgotten about the top 14. And you mentioned, you mentioned the mutiny there. Um, how much has that been a sort of creation of the media, or is that generally something that's, that's gone on, and if so, who's won? Uh, well, the... The coaches tried to claim this week that there was there was no issue with the players kind of speaking out after the France game. Um, Morgan Parra kind of spoke saying that they they didn't train hard enough, and Cami Lopez after the game pretty much said, "Yes, we're to blame, but we're not the only people to blame." Um, so it was fairly clear that both of them were kind of questioning the the preparation and the build up. And um, by all accounts, kind of off the record, other players have said similar that they hadn't kind of prepared well enough for the English kicking game. Um, and so Parra and Lopez were the two who went on the record and neither of them are in the 23 so I think <laughs> uh, the, the coaching staff have probably won that battle in, in some ways and probably not even the coaching staff I think that might be by all accounts a, a Bernard Laporte kind of uh, order that's come down from on high saying that those two can't be in the, in the 23 even though Brunel insists it's purely on, on sporting merit Yeah, sure and, and obviously France announced the team quite early this week what did the what, what did you make of that? Was there any sort of um, strategic rationale to that, or does that just once again sort of um, sum up what's what's going on in French rugby at the moment? So it's quite an interesting one. They've kind of created this little leadership group of players, kind of um, eight or nine of them, who are kind of speaking to Jacques Brunel each evening, kind of going back over what what's happened in during the day and kind of taking any 
any messages from the the wider squad to him. Um, and by all accounts, one of the things they wanted to do was to um, to name the team earlier in the week. We've not really been told exactly why. Presumably to kind of allow them to prepare in peace. Um, I don't think it's really going to change what what Scotland's plans are, knowing who's playing too much. Although obviously it's a slight difference with with Dupont starting compared to to Morgan Parra, but you. I mean, you still don't really know what to expect when it's such a kind of a jumbled side. They could be, they could be like they were in the first half against Wales. They could be like they were in the second. Um, Scotland are probably hoping that they were like they were in the first half against England. In which case, uh, might be a first win in Paris for twenty years. And uh, and who's in the leadership team then? Uh, so it's it's interesting. It's quite a mixture. So you've got some of the people you'd expect. Obviously, Gerardo, Picamol. Uh, para, interestingly, in the in the leadership <laughs> team, but not in the, the match day twenty three. Um, and then there's some younger guys: Felix Lombe, um, Roman Tomac, which is <laughs> quite a, a leap for him at nineteen. Uh, Jefferson Poirot. So it's kind of a, a different a group of players with quite a wide age range, but most of them with leadership potential. You'd expect. Yohan uh, Ije is in there randomly, which uh, caught me a bit by surprise. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a quite a mixed group. Yeah, for sure. And and in terms of the just the team announcement for Saturday, what what do people in France um, make of it? Is it a sort of wild panic or a bit of a calculated risk rewarding some foreign players? I don't know if they know what to to make of it really. Um, people have been clamouring for for Antoine Dupont to start at nine, and I think that's that's fair enough. He's mm. he's very different to to pretty much any other nine they've got at the moment, and and have had in in the recent past. He's not the the kind of the the marshal of the team, but he's just an incredible game breaker um, in terms of his just ability to kind of beat men. Um, he can shake off. I mean, there are a few times in that England game when he came on when he thought he was about to get swallowed up, and then he just kind of somehow kind of wriggle out and, and get away. And he's just got that low centre of gravity, so he's a, he's a very big. Well, he's a big threat with ball in hand. Um, so I think people are desperate to see him. There's a few people who've welcomed and Tomac starting at ten. I'm a little anxious about that. He's I think that may be where he ends up, but although he was a ten coming through the ranks, he's switched to twelve during last year's world under twenties and has played pretty much at twelve most of the season for Toulouse. He's played about four or five at ten, not to great success. And it feels like they're asking a lot of him to, to kind of take on that mantle. Um then Tomar Ramos, I think people were quite keen to see him him get a shot because he's been brilliant for Toulouse. And obviously, adds the goal-kicking as well, which probably would have been asking too much of him to Mac, who doesn't kick regularly. For sure. And do you think the selection kind of indicates a specific game plan, you know, with having those those half-backs in there? Or is it is it just sort of um, a bit of a gamble and trying to put in some, some exciting young players to, to do something a bit different? Um, it's been tricky to see much of a game plan so far in, in the, <laughs> the championship. Yeah, I agree. Um, Brunel spent so long kind of talking about how Parra and Lopez were, were his kind of half-back pairing. That was the one he'd been waiting for all this time. He'd not been able to start to play either of them, or to play them together um, in his entire first year in charge. And so he thought, OK, well, once he's got his, his half-backs, then he can really start to do something. And then we're two games later and they've already been dumped. So... The idea of kind of a coherent game plan is going to be quite quite tricky to to work out what it's going to be. Um, the three changes in the backs are all Toulouse players coming in, so you figure that they'll try and play 
similar to Toulouse, kind of the way they've been going this season, so counter-attacking, keeping the ball alive, um, and Tomek's a very good passer, so I imagine they'll try and get kind of Fiku and his pace involved, and then Bastara kind of bashing it up as, as he can, and maybe try and use him as a, a dummy when they can. Um, so I imagine they'll try and play with some pace, but at this stage it's, it's difficult to tell kind of exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, so, so with all that in mind, what do you think Scotland need to, to do to sort of turn this French team over? What are the, what are the sort of weaknesses that you perceive in that, that French 15? Um, I mean, they're still going to be, well, they should be much better in terms of their, their coverage of the back three. Ramos is, a, is an out-and-out fullback. Uge has more of an idea of where he needs to be when he's a winger. Um, I still think that there's going to be the potential to kind of push them there. Um, Puneau has only moved to the wing this season, really. Um, and Picamol isn't kind of the, the number eight who, who kind of sweeps back in the same way that Aaron Ordecke would have done back in the day. So I think the kicking game, I mean, had Russell been available, obviously that would have been a, a real real possibility for the Scots, um, depending on who they go with, Horn or, or Hastings or, or maybe even Duncan Weir, I imagine they'll, they'll still look to try and push in that regard. Um, and then you figure, I mean, Scotland always seem to, to have some some joy at the breakdown against the French. I imagine they'll, they'll probably try and do that again, even if uh, there are quite a few back row injuries. Um, well, what would you expect the, the Scottish back row to be? Um, probably asking all of us on the spot now. I, I think it would be uh, <laughs> um, Strauss. Strauss, now that he's got his Ri- passport. Yeah, now Strauss has got his passport, he's allowed to travel. Uh, Strauss, Ritchie and maybe Bradbury. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Well, Richie's been really good, hasn't he? And then Bradbury's obviously kind of been there or thereabouts before, kind of the, the dip over the last year. So I think they they probably fancy themselves to, to cause France some problems. Um, the French will have to try and push them up front, but they've not actually been that dominant kind of at scrum time in, in either game. And, and that pack's not as big as it used to be or as it was in that very first game. So so that'd be an interesting one. Um, actually, yeah, the matchup up front should be quite an interesting one, I think. I think especially for those Scottish players. Until this season, a lot of them hadn't really won, a, really actually won in France. But with Glasgow winning away in Lyon and then obviously Edinburgh winning away in Toulon, it probably helps just from sort of a mental standpoint, um, knowing that they sort of faced these players and, won, and, and beaten them kind of on their turf. So yeah. I think that should help them quite a lot going into that match. But I think I am worried, and I was really glad obviously that Strauss has, has managed to make it out of the country, but... Just from a size perspective and experience perspective, I think that Scotland team might has always struggled against that French pack. Yes, yeah, that's certainly um, certainly been the case at, at times in the past when you felt that the Scottish team probably had enough to go and win, but just couldn't quite get the upper hand up front and then kind of paid the price. Um, I think as well, although it was in Scotland, that Edinburgh win against Montpellier in kind of a must-win game at the end of the the European pool stages will probably help as well. Because I think as good as Edinburgh had been, you maybe thought, well, Montpellier in a big game with all their big guns might might go and just get the job done. And actually it was fairly comfortable for, for Edinburgh. Granted, not that many of the French players in there, but I think that as well, kind of psychologically, they shouldn't, yeah, they shouldn't have any sort of barrier there with uh, with all these guys having been involved in wins over French teams this season. Absolutely. I guess looking, looking more broadly at the top 14 season, I guess, now got Russell, Laidlaw, and obviously Richie Gray just coming back. Are you able to sort of give a summary of kind of how those guys have been doing this season? I guess we don't really get as much of a chance to kind of watch them play. 
Yep. Um, well, it's good to have Richie Gray back. Kind of been <laughs> waiting and waiting, but um, he seems to he seems to be kind of slowly working his way back. I think he was even in the Mid Olympics team of the week this week for for his performance against Rassing. So um, it's, that gives Toulouse some more options. And I don't know whether Scotland will turn to him before the end of the the Six Nations or not. But he's gonna he'll have they're playing this weekend. I think they're playing next weekend. So he could have three or four games under his belt with maybe a full eighty minutes. So. He'll be getting close to to what you need to kind of to be in contention. Um, Russell has been very very good for Racing. Uh, he's had a couple of off games. He was awful in Europe against Ulster um, away, and I think he's had one in the league as well, where he's kind of a bit all over the place. But generally, he's been very very good. Um, I think that artificial surface kind of suits him at um, at the U Arena and uh, and Racing with. Pat Lambie, now retired, are pretty reliant on him, but they've they've loved him so far. And Laidlaw's, I think, really stepped up in his second year as well. Um, he's, I think, he's still number two behind Para in terms of Claremont, just because Para's done so much for that club and is kind of a, a real leader. But I think in Laidlaw they found a a fairly like for like alternative, um, probably a slightly more reliable goal kicker, but someone who can kind of control the game and and play with tempo if needed, um, even if it's not in his natural game, and it seems to be kind of working for him. So, yeah, all three, I think, have been been pretty impressive. Um, not that many European um, recruits come in and do well, but the Scots, I think, have been, uh, have been a success on the whole. I think Russell specifically, we were a bit concerned that he would sort of struggle, especially in that sort of first six-month period. Mm. I think the main concern now is he's obviously spending all these time behind what might be the best pack in club rugby, so sort of coming back to Scotland where he, he doesn't get that sort of front football as much is uh, can sometimes be a bit of a, a bit of a struggle in terms of the transition. Yes, that, that's certainly the case that he's going to have a it will be a little bit of a contrast. Although I don't know, uh, I'm kind of torn with him because he, he can do so much that in some ways, if you're going to have someone on behind kind of a struggling pack, it feels like he's maybe the sort of guy who can. He can create something out of nothing and, and can make up for that. But then he also takes chances that if you've got a pack going backwards, maybe can can be costly. So I've, it's interesting at Racing, the the two Laurents who are coaching are the kind of they're very pragmatic generally, and they've pretty much accepted that. Well, with Finn, it's Finn, and they know that <laughs> <laughs> they can they they know that you you accept the the wild passes within his own goal in goal area because you know that you can also create try out nothing and, and can kind of get that, that back line whirring. So for even people as kind of as dogged and kind of rigid as they are, um, I think they, they know what he brings and they're, they're willing to accept it. So I, I think he's he's going to thrive there in the longer term, having already kind of made a pretty good impression in the first six months. I think it's a similar journey that Scotland fans have gone on with him. Um, hopefully we're at a <laughs> yeah. positive point in that. Um, so maybe just to finish off, Paul, what is your prediction for the weekend? I've been swinging back and forth. I mean, between you could convince me it could be fifteen to twenty points either way, just with uh, kind of the the disarray on one side and the injuries on the other. Um, I think I'd probably tip the Scots to just nick it. Um, I think they'll have enough confidence that they might just um, if they can open up a little lead early on, then the French might kind of find that a bit of a struggle. So I'd say probably. Five, three to five points for the Scots um, to get that win. I think we'd all take that. So hopefully that comes <laughs> that comes true. Um, 
Great. Well, thank, thanks so much for your time. That was really, really interesting insight to, to French rugby and how, how Scots are doing in the top 14 at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, thanks a lot. So, lads, you're sitting in uh, Gregor Townsend's chair. You've got a couple of big um, positional changes to make due to injuries. Let's start um, with that number 10 jersey. Matt, I'm going to come to you. Who are you going to start instead of Finn Russell? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Um, we, we understand that Duncan Weir has been sent back to Worcester, um, so he's not in the equation um, any, yep. any longer. So it looks like a straight shootout between um, Horn and Hastings. I would like a bit of experience in there, and particularly given that Hastings has had a pretty bad, not a bad season, but a bad recent few months. Yeah, he's been patchy. If he'd been playing well, then I, I would have had no issues putting him in there. Um, and that means I think if you play Horn there, then you don't have that much experience and you've got center injuries, so you might. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So I'll go for as much continuity as possible, which means you play a Glasgow backline of as much as you can of Horn, Johnson and Greg, which is what I think Townsend might go for in the end. Go for Squig's aim. Do you think it makes an impact that Horn started ahead of Hastings for Glasgow at the weekend. Well, that's why I was thinking that maybe Townsend had a word and said, we'd like to have him Sent get him back some, to some get some game time. time. I think Dave Rennie was told. Well, I don't know. There's a, you're always <laughs> going to have a bit of that with the Scottish rugby, aren't you? But whether yeah. Dave Rennie's the kind of guy that will... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think he is. Well, it was a I don't think he is, but then I don't think he's going to have a major issue with Horn playing at 10. It was no. a man-of-the-match performance from Pete Horn well, at the weekend as yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you've got the mix of experience and... Pete Horn is on pretty good form at the moment. Nick Grigg had a very good game at the weekend. Yeah, well. yeah, exactly. And I just, you know, there's question marks over Nick Grigg, but I think if he's got familiar players around him, and have Seymour outside him, for instance, as well, yeah, um, then he can do quite a lot of damage. And I just don't think we've... He might go with Harris, but I just don't quite think Harris has done that much in the Scotland shirt. Do you not think it might be more likely that he would go with Hastings at 10, Horn at 12 as that sort of controlling influence, second distributor, and maybe switch, um, push Sam Johnson out into the 13 channel? Again, that Horn-Johnson midfield partnership is something that Glasgow have done on a number of occasions. Um, I mean, I just think primarily they will look at that 10 channel, and I just don't think Hastings... I, I mean, I can't really remember Hastings having a good game in the last sort of two two months, 
quite a substantial period. He had such a strong sort of October and November. Yeah, good start. Yeah. But almost since those sort of Edinburgh games, he's actually really struggled to kind of get his form back. And I think the fact that Sam Johnson's had two relatively strong games at 12, and that really does feel like that's where he's most comfortable. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. It just seems when you know that him and Grigg have got a relatively strong partnership, and I think it's probably... Know, one of the most used partnerships at Glasgow over the last sort of year and a half. Definitely. Yeah. It just feels like with all the sort of carnage that's going around, with Hogg out, with <laughs> most of the back row out, especially with now with Ryan Wilson out as well, that just having that stability is really yeah. important. Yeah. But what if you wanted to chuck stability out the uh, out the window and well, pick, pick a centre partnership that have beaten French opposition a, a couple times <laughs> this uh, year? That is true. I mean, if the... Chris I think, Dean and James Johnson. I think the question mark probably going to be more... Greg Johnston rather than Greg Harris. I feel like Harris just kind of gets in for versatility. I know that's maybe a bit harsh, but no, I, think I don't right. think that's harsh at all. <laughs> um, I mean, there's been a lot of calls for Johnston. He has been playing very, very well. I know it was only the Dragons. But then you're going to be chucking but... in quite a few guys who are someone on his debut when you've already got yeah. people like Hogg and Russell yeah. out who provide the experience, which would just be mad. Yeah, think. it's like de- debut... At the start, at, in away in France, with an inside centre who's only had two caps and you've never played with. Yeah, but he was the one that Mark Bastro. So <laughs> he's, he's the one that Mark, Mark Bastro twice now and sort of that is true. Him out of the game. And so that means it's time for Johnson to go and the sweet prince to arrive. <laughs> this is it. The, 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 do, the Dauphin in France. <laughs> you, you, you can only go. You've got to put them in together. Yeah, they can, Yeah, they, they come as a package. Yes. you've got to play Dean and Johnson. Their performances this year, best in Europe, probably. It's quite, they're up there. We've up said there. it, all right? I mean, it's happened. Yeah. 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 So we already talked about it with Paul earlier. I suppose the other big discussion point is the back row. Matt, you've already nailed your colours to the mast with Bradbury at six, Richie at seven, and Strauss at eight. Alan, do you agree with that? Um, do you think Bradbury goes straight in? I know he had a really good game. I was probably more talking about what I would like my back row to be, but. You know, when I think about it, yeah, he maybe won't go in for that reason. But then who who else are you putting in? Gary Grant And Hardy. Or is Hardy out I injured? I think Hardy's injured. Yeah, I think he is as well. So, yeah. Graham, or what about Fraser Brown? Oh, stop it. <laughs> How I, exciting. I, once again, I would be for it. But what, he's... What, Fraser Brown at six? Yeah. George Turner on the bench? Yeah. Love it. Unbelievable. I absolutely love it. No, but, I, then, I, but then, how many games has Fraser Brown played since he's back? been back. Any? Ooh, yeah, he didn't play the Glasgow game, did he? Yeah. So if Bradbury's not getting in because he's not match fit, then it's quite a big ask. Fraser get. Brown was on the bench for Ireland. Yes, he was. But oh, yeah. So, I mean, he's obviously oh, he's well, fit he's enough for fit. Scotland. Then. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that, ooh, interesting. I, it's, I, I, I do think they'll, they'll go with Bradbury. Just because he clearly sort of came back, was played. Was I think Eb- he played eighty. I think he played eighty. Minutes. I think he played I eighty. Think he, he played most of the game and got man of the match today. Got and, man of the match. Yeah. And he is exactly, you know, with him and Strauss, just help helps so much in that in that battle against that French back row. Yeah. Um, he looked in fantastic nick for somebody coming back from injury. Mm. At yeah. the weekend for Edinburgh, he just looked like an absolute beast. Yeah, I, I would like I would like to see him there. You know, 
It just depends if they want to chuck him in, in the mix. Fraser Brown's a pipe dream, but it's a hell of a pipe dream. <laughs> I know. What well, the thing is. is, you know, looking at George Turner on the week uh, at the weekend, he it's probably someone you want on that bench. That's what I think. He probably George impact. Turner probably makes more impact off a bench than Fraser Brown, but you would start Fraser Brown ahead of a George Turner because mm. you can put in much more of a Rambo yeah, type yeah, performance course, for eighty minutes. He's a better overall player. Yeah, it's annoying. You, just, you want Fraser Brown in that on the pitch for open play. Yeah, it's just getting him into the set piece and sort of yeah, exactly. Where's the right place, is, if any, to put him? Is also has he played any full games that? Flanker in recent history. Argentina. Away. Argentina in the summer. When we absolutely killed them. Oh, yeah, so, well, yeah that, they were so bad. Though. That is true. That game was <laughs> a bit of a joke. So I, ju- I just wonder if it, it's once again like quite a big ass. Someone who's probably not fully match fit to play your first ever like Six Nations game as yes. a flanker. I don't think he'd let you down. But Oh, I, I don't think he would. I just, I'm trying to get in the mind of Gregor Townsend, as you say, maybe. But he's a risk taker, so... Yeah, it makes sense to me that Bradbury drops in there. What about the second row? I think probably Gilchrist and Gray, there's not an awful lot you can do in terms of dropping either of them. No, not at all. It's interesting, obviously, that Richie Gray's playing well and getting into sort of team of the week there. Yeah, that was great to hear. Yeah, (laughs) this exact sort of knowledge that we just do not have when it comes to French rugby. All three of us were sitting there like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Yeah, it will be interesting to see, as Paul said, that... There's this game and then another week's break before the Wales match. Yep. So if Richie gets another two games under his belt, I wouldn't be astonished if he comes out into that Scotland setup. I'd love a bit of peak Richie. I love peak good. Richie. That would be really nice to see yeah. him back. It's like Ireland 2012. It's like, oh, yeah. it was Ireland I don't know he's ever getting that back. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It'd be so good to ago. see him in a team, like in a Scotland team that is now so much markedly better yeah, than the teams right. that he was a standout player right. within. Yeah. It would be absolutely brilliant. And then I suppose in the front row, the only discussion point um, is the return of Xander Ferguson. I think he played 55 minutes for Glasgow at the weekend. Um, Bergen, it would be Bergen versus Ferguson as a toss-up, or would you even have him in the squad, Matt? I, I, once again, I think it's quite a big ask, um, seeing as he's not been playing at all. Um, but then the fact they put Fraser Brown in there and, and the fact that it is Darcy Ray who's the, the cover on the bench, someone's pretty green. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be that upset about it. And w- once again, it would just be be nice to have someone like Fagerson in the, in the setup. Absolutely. Um, should we save predictions until the, till the end? Yeah. So, sounds good. Um, okay. Well, why don't we go on to a wee quiz then, Alan? We quiz. Just a wee quiz. Okay. So Far away. I've been spending a lot of time on trains this week, so spent some <laughs> time pulling together a quiz around sort of most cats for Scotland. And so what I want is for props, hooker, oh. second row, back row, scrum half, uh, standoff, centres, wing and fullback, like the most cap Scotland players in those positions. So, for example, Finn Russell has 41 caps at fly half. He has one cap starting at centre. Does okay. that make sense? Or for someone like Max Evans, whilst he has like 50 caps, he only has, so has 20 on the wing and sort of 30 on the centre. So that would be his ranking for each of those sort of groupings. 
Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. So for like props and hookers, scrum half doesn't really matter. But like wing fullback. Wing fullback centres, it starts to make a bit of a difference when players who have maybe okay. split their sort of Scotland careers across like a it, multitude of positions. Is it prop encompassing tight and loose heads? So props is just... So we only need one name for props. So we want two, but I'm not, I don't care about tight head and loose head. Same with second rows, obviously. Back rows, just back row in general. Okay. So there you go. I'm going to have a really bad time. So let's start. So this is, this is tough. So in the in the history of Scottish rugby, you just stop looking at the answer, Steve. I could probably see yours, by the way. So. Who who are the two? What two props have had the most caps? I'm going to go Alan Jacobson as one of them. And I had Jacobson and your second one, Tom Smith. Tom Smith. Who are you going for, Matt? I don't think Tom Smith had that many. I can't think right now. Who is it? So, Alan Jacobson is correct. Go on, the chat. He was the second most cap prop. Okay. And our most cap prop was Ewan Murray. Ah, oh. oh, Ewan Murray. So, he's got 66, Alan Jacobson's got 65, and Tom Smith has 61. Nice. Ah, so almost this is this is the easiest one of the group. Hooker, who have you got? Your man, Ross Ford. Ross Ford. Ross Ford is correct. Above the above the ton, with Gordon Bullock coming in at 75. Ah, of course. Second row, there is one out ahead, and then there is two joint. Two joint? So who have the same amount of caps starting at second row. So who do you, th- who do you think those three would be? I'm going to go Al Kellogg. No. <laughs> so you, one of you is gone. Oh, Dave, um, come come up with a couple. Scott Murray. Scott Murray is top. Boom. Oh, I also had Scott Murray. Okay. I had Scott Murray, Al Kellogg, and Jim Hamilton. You know, Jim Hamilton's not bad. He's got like sixty-one, but he's not in the top three. He's not in the top three. Who's your other one? You got one more, Matt. I'm gonna go Grimesy. Grimes is correct. Yes, nice. So Stuart Grimes has 71 caps at lock. Nathan Hines... I was going to say Nathan Hines. Nathan Hines has 77 caps. Does it? But six at flanker, ah, six at flanker and 71 at lock. So him and Grimes have got the same. So back row, we've got four because there's another tie there's another again. Another tie. Who, we, who are your four back rows? Right, you got you got four? No, but I'll make some up <laughs> as I go along. Right, should we alternate? Dave, do you want to go first? Ali Hogg. Ali Hogg is not correct. Ah, I'd Hogg as well, to be fair. He got loads for a long for time, his and his career and was got, sort of like yeah. cut a wee bit short, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. I thought he'd done enough to rack them up. Um, John Barkley. John Barkley is correct. John Barkley, John Barkley with 71 caps. 71 okay. caps, John Barkley. I've got that. Who's your other one, Dave? It's not right. Kelly Brown? Kelly Brown is correct. He's one of the tied thirds. So he's on 64 caps. 64 caps, Kelly? Yes. So you've got two more. John Barkley's number one for back row caps. You've got the person who's second and the person who's tied with Kelly Brown. And one of these people... Jason White. Jason White, White is correct. 77 caps. And my calculations <laughs> say that he's had 64. So the same as Kelly Brown in the back row. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So he's had about 13 <clears throat> starting at lock. 
Wowee. And then you got one more, if anyone's got it. It could be really rogue, but I'm going to go Strokosh. That is rogue. It's <laughs> <laughs> deeply rogue. <laughs> that was been around for so long. That was though. deeply yeah, rogue. Yeah, been rogue. No, I don't think it's actually that rogue. I think, I'm not sure where he's at. He must be in like the 40s or something. This guy was like, there was like a couple of years where he was like real like world-class standard. Like Lions chat. I think he, didn't he go on one, one of the tours? Simon Taylor. Boom. Ah. Did, I, he went he on, was he so went injured though. I, I yeah. just didn't yeah. have him in. He was on 01 and 05. Yeah, 66 caps. He got 66 uh, caps? Really? Yeah. Wow, he, he was, I mean, he was brilliant. You're not wrong did to he, say did, he was Were all class, his caps but. in the back row? Because he ended up playing second row for Bath. Yes, interestingly, ESPN stats tell me that they were all in the back row, whether, yeah, they, whether they're correct or we'll not. Take, we'll absolutely take mm. that. Um, right, scrum half, what you got? Mike Blair. I had Mike Blair as well. Mike Blair is correct. Coming in at 84 nice. with one cap on the wing. Picked up a cap on the wing, did well, he? Well, against um, <laughs> 2010 Wales, came off the bench. Oh, was it Wales? Because oh, Max okay. Evans came on for Chris Patterson. He also played on the wing against like Japan, that, but I think it was a yeah injury. Yeah, so he came off the bench for Tom Evans when he obviously uh, went off with his injury. He came on the wing. Who have you got at ten? This is an interesting one. I'm gonna go with Finn. Old Finn, Davos. I went with Finn as well. Went with Finn. So Finn, it's not. I don't actually know how many Finns. Finn on around 40-something? Yeah, he's around about that. So no, there is at least two people ahead of him. Parks. Oh, sorry, three people ahead of him. Right. Parks is correct. 62 caps. With two at fullback, two on the wing, and one at centre. <laughs> uh, two on the wing? I think, again, coming off the bench. Oh, okay. And then Craig Chalmers on 59. Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot about him. And then Gregor Townsend's had 58. <laughs> uh, nowhere near that. Um, Good. So, yeah, Dan Parts had the most. And then in the centres, who have you got? This is a little bit more old school, actually. It just shows you the dearth of talent we've had at centre for the last, like, 20 years. I have... Zero names written down at the moment. So I'm, got, I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> There's one that you'll be absolutely gutted about. I've got Andy Henderson. Goofy. Yeah. Andy Henderson is third. Third. With 51 caps at Fifth. center. What about. Nice. No, no way. Graham Morrison? Graham Morrison is not in. I didn't think so. I mean, I'm just thinking about dearth of talent at the center oh, of Scotland. There's a man. You, come on. Alan Tate? No, not Alan Tate. DeLuca? Not, not DeLuca. So I'm just going to tell you. Marcus no, DeRolo? No, no DeRolo. Older. Give us, give us one more clue. Older than those two. Um, Scott Hastings. Boom. Scott oh, Hastings nice. is yeah. number one with uh, 64 caps starting yeah. at centre. And then the, this is, the last one is Veald. A lion. What club were they from? Mm. Yeah. For some reason, I think Hoyk. Rennick. Yes. Yes. From Rennick. Yeah. 52 cats for Scotland and then one, one Lions cap in like the 80s. Very nice. Love that. So, wing. Two wingers. Who have you got? I've got Sean Lamont. Boom. Correct. I had Sean Lamont as well. Of course you did, Dick. <laughs> Nobody can prove that I haven't. And who's your other wing? 
Mainly, I don't think it's right, but he's in my head. Kenny Logan. Who's your other wing? Simon Webster. Kenny Logan is correct. Yes. I'm going to say King I'm going to say it's even coming up to the fullback. So who who is our most capped fullback? As in either started or came on at fullback. Patterson. Surely Chris Patterson. Are you both saying Chris Patterson? Yeah. I know it's not great for the for the people who are living out there in suspense after this hour long quiz. Um Stuart Hogg, just for fun. Stuart Hogg is correct. Yeah. Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hampton, um, Patterson's been between wing and Ten fullback. And so wing and fullback. Out of Chris Patterson's 109 caps, he's had 44 at fullback, 50 on the wing, uh, one at centre, and 14 at standoff. He had 14 caps at standoff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, what he, 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 he ends fair, up being able to do that. Yeah. He ends yeah. up being the most capped back, but not the most capped in any position. That's very interesting. I like the way your mind works sometimes. It's quite, <laughs> quite weird. But that's, that's right, you have had a lot of time this week, haven't you? It's a lot of trains, mate. Yeah. You know what? What's going to be good is when we edit that up, it's going to be like as if we were Slip. coming up yeah. with these so <laughs> bang, fast. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Not like we've been sitting here for 25 minutes <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much for that, Alan. Well, why don't we go ahead. Let's talk very quickly about Glasgow and Edinburgh, uh, the weekend that was and what is coming up for them. And then finish off with some predictions and then everyone can get on their merry way let's start friday night edinburgh against the dragons 34 17 that man jimmy johnson two tries man of the match performance from bradbury and um duhan van der merva dotting down with a couple as well pretty decent um showing from edinburgh lads happy with that i mean yeah to have to get the bonus point result is is great um i mean it, it was a lot closer for quite a lot of the match, and the Dragons were actually leading at half-time. Um, so, and it's not exactly a vintage Dragons team. Yeah. Um, so I think Edinburgh will be will have been a bit disappointed, but yeah, a few guys returning from injury, um, likes of, as you said, Jimmy Johnson playing well, Duhan getting on the score sheet, it's, you know, it's, it's a solid 80 minutes work. It's, uh, it's actually a bit of a, you know, it's not must win, but... They, you know, they got the equal with Treviso, Ulster two behind, and then Scarlets five behind, and all three of those teams have got relatively easy games. Scarlets have got the Cheetahs, and then I think Treviso have got Dragons at home. Yeah, and then I think uh, Ulster have got Zebra. So I think the big one in Edinburgh's mind is not this weekend; it's the following weekend against Benetton. Yeah. Is that home or away? Away. away. So away. they're down in Benetton on Saturday, 2nd of March. Yeah. yeah. So that, hopefully they can go, they can win against Cardiff um, this weekend. But then Benetton surely is the big game that they're looking forward to because then that could pretty much, hopefully, cement them into that second spot. They then do go and play Leinster, but Leinster are so far ahead that it probably doesn't matter that much. <laughs> it's a weird thing, though, that, you know, Edinburgh could very, very easily come second and get a home well, it was a road to be quarter final mm. and at the same time miss out on Europe. Genuinely. How would that work? Well if they ended up coming fifth in their group. So the results could go the wrong way. If the results go the wrong way. I see what you mean. Yeah. And whereas, you know, oh, sorry. With, uh, the way Glasgow's pool is, you know, they're just it's gonna take a lot for them to really yeah, yeah, get yeah. caught up. Yeah. Um but for Edinburgh at the moment, until you know either Treviso sort of stopped being quite so good. Yeah. Like, it's 
Because mm. I always kind of felt in that group that with, you know, Leinster, Edinburgh, Ulster and Scarlet, you're kind of guaranteed that top four and kind of Treviso coming in now, just yeah, good making it that bit more dangerous. So Edinburgh welcome Cardiff to Murrayfield. One for the absolute ultras on Saturday. What a day of rugby. Scotland, France, England, Wales, and then you can roll straight into Edinburgh Cardiff Blues <laughs> as your dessert at 7.35 yeah. um, at Murrayfield. Um, we saw um, Cardiff at the weekend against Glasgow. What do you guys think? Edinburgh going to be able to do a job on them there? I think they should be able to. I, th I think kind of Glasgow-style suits Cardiff who are also quite loose. Yeah, Where, Whereas point. Edinburgh, if they tighten things <coughs> up, don't let... Because Cardiff definitely got some pretty dangerous backs. Don't let them into the game and sort of strangle them up front, then I think Edinburgh should should have too much. And I think they really need to, to aim for a bonus point win there, actually. Particularly at home. They've, they've been very, very good at Murrayfield all season. You mentioned Cardiff chucking it around with some dangerous backs. Um, we saw all of the bag-to-tricks. Um, for Cardiff and Glasgow at the weekend. Glasgow eventual winners, 38-34. Greg Price, Pete Horn, Nick Frisby, and that man, David Tamalau, getting on the score sheet for Glasgow. I mean, it's a great win. It's a bonus point win on the road for Glasgow, but they did throw away, uh, I think it was around about 15-point, maybe 20-point lead at one mm. stage. Yeah. Um, is that something that would worry Glasgow fans? Are they happy to get five points? on the road uh, yeah, as you said I think both teams play into each other they've both got not lightweight packs but quite dynamic yeah, ball it's playing not strength. Um, so I think it was always going to be especially on that artificial, artificial pitch a relatively sort of open game and it's also like the fourth time they've played each other this year <laughs> Yeah, I know. so they like know each other so well um, I don't think you're going to be that, wor that worried I think with a sort of relatively second string pack it's I thought um, Kyle Stain looked pretty good on yeah. the debut. Had some good good yeah. runs. Set up one of the tries. Yeah. I think um, we maybe haven't touched on this, but DTH is out for the rest of the season. Yes. So it's good just I'm, – I'm not saying that you know, Kyle Stain's going to be starting matches, but it's quite good to have him as, a, yeah. as an option coming in. High-quality option. And more game time for young Stafford McDowell in the centre. Nick Thomas, Griggs. Thomas Gordon as well. Thomas Gordon getting debut. some good time. It's, I, I was quite impressed with that, actually. I thought they looked very, very good. And then once they realised they had won, they were like, oh, cool. Let's just chill out. The best bit still was George Turner's run. Oh, my God. Off Frisbee. I mean, I don't really know what the defence is. Like, the prop literally was all just got like, out stepped the way. out the way. Just and got then out like, the way. Oh, no, just a complete you know, misfire. But... And then he ran well, straight over Matthew Morgan. Just, he is the most aggressive player in Scottish rugby. I mean, we have a friend that has played, has trained with George Turner and has been in a similar situation to that, but touch rugby. Yeah. And I think the exact same thing happened <laughs> yeah. the, the, to ma him. the Maori sidestep, as the commentator yeah. it was described it. Touch rugby and George Turner decided to go f as quickly <laughs> as possible straight into him. And he to, said, the, to this young sort of wannabe surveyor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's quite an interesting one coming up for Glasgow at the weekend. They've got Connor at Scotston on Friday night. And in the context of Poulet, um, Connor are in third, Glasgow are in second. So you'd think if Glasgow can return a solid win, that probably pretty much cements them into second place in their conference as well. I guess, it, I guess the concern is just whether any of those forwards who started for Glasgow at the weekend 
get called up. When we were chatting about the back row earlier, we didn't really talk about Ash or Harley. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. Um, and then also with George Turner and Xander Ferguson. Yeah. Potentially getting called up. Once you kind of, again, <laughs> peel away, like David Tamalo, Kevin Bryce. Right, David Tamlin scoring tries of fun against Cardiff. Yeah, I Everyone know. Looked. That was like first. That was like his first touch as well. Everyone was absolutely. He must be quite popular. Everyone was absolutely loving it. Yeah, when he yeah, scored. yeah, he yeah, looked yeah, yeah. Absolutely fucked by the time he got to the line. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was towing so, so play, hard. Fair play to get there though. Yeah, George, yeah, Tur- like yeah. a, I don't think anyone expected. You don't expect a hooker to make a clean break like that. Yeah, like a 30, 40 meter. Break. And also, George turned pretty rapid. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But Matthew yeah. Morgan did the wee speed bump, slowed him down for everybody, but... But that last 10 metres was, like, painful. Tamalo. <laughs> oh, just like, the lactic yeah. in Tamalo oh, was so unbelievable. So lactic. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to say, Friday Night Lights at Scotsdon against Connor. Are you back in Glasgow for that one? Yeah, 100%. And they, once again, they should be aiming. They don't need the bonus point win, but I think that should be the aim. Yeah. Very positive. So that if we're getting bonus point wins for Glasgow and Edinburgh, let's finish off with I guess, some predictions I am just for thinking Scotland France. The issue with Connacht is they're not hit by losing players, really. No, not nearly as much as any of the other Irish provinces. Apart from Bundyaki, essentially. Their team's still not very good. And though. that second row lad whose name we didn't know in the island preview. Quinn Roo. Quinn Roo. Quinn Roo. Yeah. yeah, I did notice that when I was away. I think he's South African. Kind of just didn't realise that Connacht were like third in the group, though. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, but yes, I still think Glasgow have got it. Well, very, very good positive predictions for those two. Should we finish off with them? some France predictions? Matt, I'll come to you first. Give me a score prediction. Well, I'm going to be at the match, so I'm really, really hoping for a win. Uh, I think Scotland will win by seven. Love that. Alan, so what's the best bet for this week? Seeing as my prediction for both games have come true. They both have come true. Um, I think France are going to win by 12. France by 12? 12. Don't yeah. do this to me, mate. I, I, I generally think just those injuries for Scotland is just going to be such a dent. And I've got this sneaking suspicion that France just aren't as bad as everyone thinks they are. Like, that first half against Wales was pretty spectacular. It was actually pretty great rugby, especially in those conditions. Yeah, it was. And, yeah, fair play, they had a shocker against England, but they lost by less than we lost when we last went to Twickenham. Yeah, mm. let's not bring that. <laughs> Why are you bringing let's that? Bring all these facts and logic into the <laughs> equation. I don't know. I just think France... I, I can kind of see... The thing is... Remember the last time we played in Paris um, and a few people got injured and after that it was just that we should have won the game without yes. the injuries. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That is yeah. probably going to happen. Was that the but last time? Kidney yeah, game? yeah, exactly. But this time we got, you know, an even thinner score yeah, to draw from and you've got guys coming on who are green or not fit having to play against a big French pack. It would be my yeah. worry. Concern. But then I think the Scotland team is... It's just, I think, mentally a bit different, and I think you know, I honestly be quite confident of the win. I honestly think like Russell and Watson yeah, be a massive yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah to in two teams. massively pivotal yeah. positions. Yeah. Well, I can't. What do you reckon, Dave? I can't let it go on such a negative note. <laughs> I've been walking around the office today saying that France are going to win by less than a score, but since we're on the pod, I'm going to say Scotland are going to win by less than five. 
So there you go. Scotland, first Scotland win in 20 years. There you go. Would yeah. absolutely take that. And we will be back next week to tell you what happened. Uh, get on Twitter. We'll be covering match day. That is Thistle Rugby Pod on Twitter. Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod on Instagram. And then drop us all of your thoughts and feelings and emotions after the game into that mailbag. During the game. The Thistle Rugby at gmail.com. Get on iTunes, hit subscribe, and we will speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.